Welcome back to Palpable Paranormal Experiences. Today, I'm going to be joined by my boyfriend, Anthony, who is also a believer in spirits and the paranormal. This episode is going to be a little different. Instead of reading two ghost stories, I am only going to be reading one. Welcome to Palpable Paranormal Experiences, a show centered around telling the common man's ghost stories. The story that we are going to be reading and talking about today is called Haunted by a Cloaked Shadow Figure and was posted by the user LooseOrchid5511. They start off the story by giving a lot of background, but essentially what they're saying is that they've always felt like they had a good spooky meter, how they describe it, so they've always had a sense of when there are spirits nearby or when a place seems to be haunted they even describe that they will see the place as more dim like the light is being sucked out of it so the first experience that they talk about is when they were in their childhood home in my childhood home which was built by my parents so not a case of someone died here and haunts it a fact my unbelieving father regularly tells me even to this day when my siblings and i repeat this story we had a spare room, which always gave me the creep to store the back of the house at the end of a long hallway. I should also mention we lived on a farm fairly far from town, and on it I've had a number of creepy experiences, but none like the ones I'm going to mention. I should also say my father has lived in this house since his mid-twenties, along with a few housemates, one of which used to claim the house was haunted. The only story my non-believing father told me that he couldn't explain was that the stereo system, which was unplugged, began blasting music in the early hours of the morning. Firstly, when I was extremely young, too young perhaps to recall this, but it has been a core memory for me always. I was awoken in my room by something I thought to be my father. I don't remember seeing him or what he looked like only that I was lifted from my cot and put on the floor. He had large feet and our hallway had a wooden floor. I remember crawling after him and following the imprints that his bare feet made on the floor until we got to the kitchen. Let's have ice cream, he said to me. He lifted me to the freezer, which was way, way, way too high for me to reach, and I grabbed the ice cream and began to eat it. It was dark at the time, and when the sun began to rise, my dad came back downstairs. I remember him asking me what I was doing and taking the ice cream for me. I told him I was eating the ice cream and that he had taken me to get it. He had absolutely no idea what I was talking about and said he absolutely did not wake me up in the middle of the night to get me some ice cream. When I've brought it up with him now as a young adult, he says he remembers it and claims I must have climbed. There's absolutely no way I could have climbed it. When I was perhaps four or five, I recall playing with my brother and two sisters at the end of the hallway opposite the room. We saw a black hooded figure that was blurry and smoky. It ran past us at a ridiculous speed and went into the spare room, slamming the door behind it. We all screamed and carried on, and then I guess I forgot about it and put it down to being young and overly imaginative. Despite of this, however, we never entered that room if we didn't have to and would always close the door and or turn the light on in there only to find the door open and the light off whenever we went back. It couldn't have been our parents. That all changed when I was 12. My brother, who was two years older than me and I, had shared a room for our whole childhood. When my brother transitioned to high school, my parents thought it would be best we have our own rooms as he was staying up later and I'm sure puberty also played a role. I was moved into the spare room, which, as I'd gotten older, sort of gotten over my fear of. It was a simple room, fairly small and square. My bed was situated in the bottom left-hand corner of the room. 
A desk ran along the wall beside it toward the door in which I mostly used for building Lego. The far left corner had a big wooden wardrobe which I never used. A window sat on the wall facing the door that never seemed to let enough light in despite its size and the entire right hand side of the room was just a giant cupboard with sliding doors. My walls were also covered in posters, which is important to know. I spent anywhere between two weeks to a month in hell when I first moved into that room. From the get-go, my spooky radar went pretty haywire, and I didn't really like being in there. I will do my best to recount the incidences that I remember, although there aren't a lot. For reference, I spent every night of that initial month in there unable to sleep and battling all manners of strange occurrences. There are probably like 21 nights worth of scary incidences, most that I can't recall and probably deliberately tried to forget. The first occurrences were fairly tame. I used to have a pedestal fan running most nights that created a pretty heavy white noise. Because of it, I can't really confirm whether what I heard was real or not but initially I thought I could hear whispering throughout the night. It used to put me super on edge, especially since it was just faint enough that I couldn't discern if I was crazy or not. So already my sleep started getting pretty bad. Then things started to get worse. My floor was carpeted and I would begin to hear that soft sort of crumbling sound you hear when someone's walking on it. The footsteps were slow and would always come towards me and would come from the wardrobe in the corner of the room. Strangely, most things would occur from the wardrobe in the corner. I remember I initially had a lamp in my room, which I would turn on as soon as I heard anything. But after way too short of a time, the bulb blew, and the lamp never worked again no matter how many bulbs we put in it. I transitioned to using my iPod for a light then, with one of those torch apps, and this I always kept at my side. It became necessary for me to sleep facing the door, as every time I did finally get to sleep, if I was facing the wall, I would get a horrific nightmare. Sometimes I would fall asleep facing the door, have a nightmare, and wake up to find that I had rolled over in the night. I began to wake up periodically in the night to strange noises. Things would move around or fall off shelves. This was actually trackable and began to truly confirm my strong suspicions that something was amiss. I'm not Christian, but I am open-minded, and despite my lack of belief, God plays a part in this story. Strangely, I began to wake at 3 a.m., which is known as the witching hour. I didn't know this until I consulted the resident spooky expert of my school, who we will call James for the sake of the story. He was just a kid who had seen way too many horror movies. James told me that my room was likely haunted and that I should try and record it through the night. So I set my iPod up to charge overnight and used a voice recorder app to record the sounds during the night. I tried video first, however my phone would overheat and die too quickly and probably wouldn't have had enough storage space for an 8 hour recording anyway. Old technology wasn't as capable as it is now. But strangely, the recordings would always stop at random intervals, as though someone had pressed stop. I had a passcode, so that was impossible. So, those amounted to nothing. Things got worse again. One day, I felt as though my duvet was moving, and I didn't think much of it because it used to fall down the side of my bed because of its weight sometimes. This time, it felt as though it were rising, and before I could really clock it, a hand touched my back. It wasn't freezing cold like the movies, nor did it burn me or anything like that. It just felt like a human hand planted itself on my back. I recoiled naturally and probably spent the rest of the night with the light on. From then on, I used to tuck my blanket underneath my body, which was a habit I maintained until I was like 18 thanks to that experience. 
Another time, my blanket felt like it was falling down the bed again, so I grabbed it and went to pull it back. Only, it didn't move. Initially, I thought it was stuck on something, but no matter how hard I pulled, it didn't move. That's when the blanket was pulled back. I remember my heart raced. I essentially played tug-of-war with a ghost for 30 seconds before it let up, and I flew backwards with the blanket, having been pulling on it with all my strength and going back and forth prior to it. After that, I remember things got borderline awful, and I basically didn't sleep ever. I spoke to James about it and how things seemed to be getting worse, and I was outright terrified now, and he speculated that I may be feeding on my fear and growing stronger with each passing night. This notion obviously horrified me, and I asked him what I could do. He actually suggested I pray, funnily enough, and told me a few things I could say that had worked in some horrors he'd seen. I don't remember the order of operations, but what I do know is that one night, things were especially bad. Whispering, objects moving around and falling, strange noises and footsteps, I couldn't take it anymore. So, I prayed. I prayed that I be given the strength and courage to face the thing, and I prayed that whatever was in my room go F off back to wherever it came from. I recalled this next part perfectly and will likely never forget it. I sat up in my bed and yelled, in the name of God, I banish you from my room. I remember raising my fists as though I was prepared to fight it with my bare hands. I think my courage was fueled by the belief that God was on my side. From the corner of my room rushed the same hooded black figure I saw in my childhood. It was like a misty blur. It moved so quickly that it generated a wind that swept across the room as it ran, flowing off all my posters and knocking over the Lego on my desk, which smashed on the floor. It rushed to the exit of my room and stopped in the doorway. I remember it turned and looked at me for only about half of a second, but what gives me the chills was at the speed it moved. In its time, I dare say, it stared a lot longer than that. I remember I fell asleep after that in pure exhaustion, and I slept like a baby. When I woke up, I thought I had imagined or dreamt the whole thing, but when I looked around the room, the thing was trashed. So badly that I remember my dad came in and told me it looked like a hurricane had passed through it. He didn't believe me when I told him what happened. I think he believed that I believed it, but some people, I guess, just have never had an experience and therefore refuse to buy into it whenever someone else tells a story. That's fair enough, I suppose. Nothing happened after that. I never forgot about what occurred, and it even made me a devout Christian for like 12 months. The only thing that occurred involving whatever the thing was came when I was about 15. We had what used to be a toy room that got converted into a gym room with a treadmill and a bench and a kid's computer room. I was working out in one day while my sister was playing on the computer. I remember she looked over my shoulder and screamed. She said she saw a black hooded figure behind me, that it was blurry and hazel like it was made of smoke, and that it was watching me, and it ran away when she screamed. That was the last I've ever seen. It's funny though, because a lot of people apparently have seen the cloaked bastard during sleep paralysis. That's how I found the photo below, but I know I was awake when I saw it, and if you can't believe me, then believe my siblings. We did some research on spirits appearing as cloaked entities and found a blog post all about it written by Stephen Wagner where he says, Experiences with dark hooded entities seem to be relatively common in the reports of ghost-like beings, usually, but not always. 
They appear in the dead of the night in the shadowed corners of a room. So another thing that Stephen Wagner talked about in this blog post that really stood out to me as well is he talked about the some of the reasons that these spirits may appear to so many people as these dark hooded entities. And it could be because of our innate fear of the unknown and uncertainty. And I think that there could be truth in this because so many people feared like the unknown aspects of the paranormal and spirits because we don't truly know their intentions and we don't know where they came from and I think that in a sense if it is a malicious entity it can feed off of this fear so that could be why they would show themselves or why we would perceive them as these dark hooded entities where you can't see their features and they just look shadowy and all of that. When we were looking into spirits appearing as these shadowy cloaked figures, we found a lot of stories of people having similar experiences to the user who posted the story we read. It seems like a lot of people have paranormal experiences that involve an entity appearing as a hooded figure. We found an interesting interpretation of the meaning behind them. This theory is posted on a blog by Tina Caro, and she says that these shadowy figures could be a sort of spiritual messenger that appears before people to help them and give them guidance on their spiritual journeys. A fact that she uses to support this theory is that when you look into these hooded figures, you'll find a lot of people talking about their experience with them, as Anthony said. But in all of these retellings, the figure never explicitly tries to cause the person seeing them any harm. People will report that they feel a sense of dread or fear when seeing them, but this is probably more because of a fear of the unknown rather than the spirit having any malicious intent, which aligns with the story we just read from the user on the Ghost Stories subreddit. An example in this story specifically that could support the theory that the hooded entity was more of a messenger than a malevolent spirit is that when the user made it clear that he did not want anything to do with the entity, it left him alone. This could support the interpretation that the entity did not have any malicious intent and could have just been trying to send him a message. And the user does talk about a, another situation that happened after he somewhat banished the entity where he was in a room with his sister and his sister was the one to see it but whenever he looked, the entity did not show itself to him. So that could just be the entity still trying to pass along a message or guidance, but the fact that it didn't show itself to the original poster, um, again, after he had specifically tried to banish it, get it out of his life, um, expressed the intent that he did not want to speak with it, it just didn't show itself to him, but rather his sister. I think that these experiences with these dark hooded entities being so widespread is so interesting. I enjoyed being able to read a more spiritual take on this experience as well. It really makes the whole experience feel a lot less terrifying. That is all that we have for this episode. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you for listening to Palpable Paranormal Experiences. I hope you join me next time to listen to some more real life paranormal experiences.